So yeah, this is the first class audio we've put up in 2019, but it doesn't mean that we haven't been meeting, and it doesn't mean that we've decided to stop recording and sharing the audio. Rather, it's just been a weird year. So I was like horribly, horribly sick the first Sunday of 2019. Uh, The next week, which is the audio you're listening to now being brought to you kind of uh, a little late in the game, is the class going over a slideshow from uh, swordandspirit.com. You may or may not want to bother with this. You're not going to be able to see the slideshow, obviously, in the MP3. And in the class notes page, I link to the slideshow itself, so maybe you want to just go through it on your own. Uh, But that's what we've got here. And then the next two weeks after that, uh, because the slideshow presented an old earth creationism view, uh, which tried to kind of take modern geology and uh, biology and a lot of different things and, and kind of harmonize them with the biblical account in Genesis uh, to give sort of equal time, which actually wound up being double time because it took two weeks. Uh, we watched the documentary called Is Genesis History, which I think you can actually even find on Netflix if you want to check that out. We had purchased a group viewing license, but obviously to watch it on your own, you don't need to purchase anything but access to the movie. So I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix uh, at the time of this recording, and otherwise you can get it uh, fairly cheap. You can rent it on iTunes or on uh, Amazon Prime. Or if you're in the area, you can come and check it out of our uh, church library here at Judson Baptist. Uh, So without any more John from me... Here is the audio from January 13, 2019, from our Baptist Catechism class at Judson Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and the sun, and we thank you for uh, us being able to gather together today, and we pray that you would bless our conversation, bless uh, our opening of our eyes to your word. Lord, may we, uh, as we look at your word, understand it uh, all the more. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so how'd last week go? Excellent. I apologize for not being immortal. I actually had planned to be, but I'm a little shy about coming in when I feel like I might fall down now for obvious reasons. (laughs) Once can be forgotten, twice that's your legacy. No, once will not be forgotten. Ah, shut your pie hole, Sean. Once can be forgiven, maybe, by people who are better than you. So, what did you do last time? I had a great idea of a video you could watch, and now, in retrospect, I might have just dreamed that that video exists because of the fevers and everything. But uh, Kim said she tried to get people to turn on each other and denounce each other. All right. Well, I would like to. I meant to actually print something out, um, and I will have it for you next week from uh, Modern Reformation, which I think is an incredible little little ad extra. But for the moment, no, I don't need a hotel in Portland. What are you doing? Okay. For the moment, I want to start by walking you through another perspective on uh, the book of uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and discussing it. This comes from our friends at swordandspirit.com. And this is like a web player playing one of those, um, what's Apple's PowerPoint 
analog. Whatever, it, whatever you play presentations on the map, then there's like a web plugin. So this may crash because we can't get the internet from here. If it does, I have a PDF, but it won't have all these super 90s transitions, which I really like. Um, so let's uh, just jump right in here. This is not me giving you the right answer. This is another perspective on it. Can everybody see okay? In the back, can you see? All right. A look into Genesis 1 from a scientific perspective. This is one of many different attempts uh, to, to uh, I guess, syncretize uh, the record of nature with uh, the record of Genesis. And if you are interested in this sort of thing, Hugh Ross, uh, Reasons to Believe, they have all sorts of videos and papers and books and stuff. We have some of those books in the library. In the library? Okay. I'm going to skip quickly through this stuff. The purpose, increase your faith and respect in the God of the Bible, the Bible itself, to increase your confidence in science as a tool, to increase your knowledge of nature, to help you become a better defender of the faith. Caveats. This is one interpretation. This is super 90s. Not a salvation issue. You might leave afterward without believing a word and still go to heaven when you die. I think those are smart quotes, and they come up a few times in smart apostrophes, so... Bear with the poor old piece of media in a new world. Um, it'll go back and forth between God's record and the record of nature. So, one thing that becomes very important to people holding to this particular view is the distinction between Hebrew terms uh, in Genesis 1. I don't know why I'm pressing the down arrow and nothing. Oh, I think I ran out of... Yeah. All right, switching to the PDF. You're not going to be able to see... And my computer rebooted during the night and closed everything. Gosh, I hate Windows 10. With a white-hot, fiery passion, usually reserved for one's hatred of hell. Um, so this is Genesis 1.1. You may have heard this somewhere. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Hebrew word there is the word bara. Looks like this in Hebrew. Another caveat from me about them and their caveats. Their <laughs> um, definitions of words, they're a little bit too on the nose for what they want to do with these words. They're not exact. The Bible opens with the profound statement that the universe had a beginning. Created, bara, meaning to bring forth something radically new. The word simply means to create, but... What they're trying to do here is show that when these words were laid down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, two different words were used, or three different words actually were used for different nuances in the creation process. And that this word, bara, which means to create, is reserved for when something radically new comes forth. Um, let's go over to Genesis 1.1, and I will show you what it says. Oh, you probably can't even read on this side there, can you? Um, Bereshit, bara, Elohim, here's bara. Uh, and the basic little lexicon says to be created or to create. So there are so many different instances of this word in the scriptures. We can say, let's see them all. And you will see that there's no way they all refer to the creation of something completely new. 
uh, created from Barah, bring forth something radically new. The heavens and the earth from Hashmayim, the Haaretz, everything above, everything below, the whole physical universe. And certainly that does seem to be what that verse is describing. God bringing forth something that didn't exist, and it's above, it's below, it is ex nihilo, out of nothing. God is now creating. He's the only one who can do that. The record of nature. All evidence tells us there was a beginning. Nearly 14 billion years ago, all matter, energy, space, and time came mysteriously from nothing. The universe expanded, cooled, matured. Stars and galaxies formed. One galaxy in particular, the Milky Way, formed in the perfect place at the perfect time with the perfect shape. About 5 billion years ago, at the perfect time for life, our sun formed from a giant cloud of gas and dust in that Milky Way. Dozens of planets, including Earth, formed from a giant disk of this material. The Genesis Connection. Genesis and the record of nature agreed there was a beginning to it all. From nothing came something. Uh, occasionally, I run now into armchair atheist keyboard warriors who say, no, the latest uh, uh, cosmological models show no beginning. Uh, but that's, I think, still the consensus. Uh, I, I'm not in the sciences, but... I'm in the world where the sciences are happening, and that's generally what you hear. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a bang of some kind is still, is still uh, the, the theory. The big bang? <laughs> yeah, right, the big bang. Um, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the, water, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is the most... Richie, they get with the Hebrew here. Rachaf is to hover. No, no, no. To brood over, cherishing and vivifying. Oh, that's very specific. <laughs> uh, no, hovering. Uh, well, let's have a look at. Uh, in fact, I've got KB, the best uh, lexicon on here, but I won't take the time to do it. Uh, so, Genesis 1 2. And the earth, the storms of void, and da, 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 have moved upon. The American Standard Version says the ESV, the Lord was hovering. Uh, the King James, the Spirit of God, moved upon the face of the earth. Uh, the New American Standard, Spirit of God, was moving over the surface of the waters. Uh, the Net Bible, moving. The NIV, he was hovering. The New Living was hovering. Uh, so unless all these guys got this wrong, um, looks like the root meaning to shake or tremble, and then this is in the PAL, don't worry about what that means, it just means that this is the definition you go by, to hover tremulously. So maybe there's, maybe the, poetically this brooding and cherishing implied. Note that the Bible has established our point of view for the rest of the chapter. We are on the surface of the newly formed earth. That'll be important to... Uh, anytime this position is articulated, that this isn't a zoom way out and look at what God is doing. It's you're the guy sitting there watching it happen from the ground up. Um, there wasn't anyone there, but let's just for funsies say that we were there. That's, that's the idea. The record of nature, 4.6 to 4.25 billion years ago, thick gases from the early atmosphere together with the interplanetary dust and gases left the Earth's surface as dark as night. Heavy meteoric bombardment also blasted debris into the already thick atmosphere. No light was reaching Earth's surface and the planet was empty of life. 
The Genesis connection, both Genesis and the record of nature, agree that the surface of the young earth was dark and empty of life. We see in the rest of Genesis 1, just one small chapter of hundreds, how the Lord prepares the newborn planet Earth for humanity, starting with the critical first ingredient. Light. So, verse 3. God said, let there be light. Now, this is where we have a different word. Hayah, which is one that Steve says at least a couple times a week. Um, Hayah, we were, we've been talking about this word. You may not remember, but we talked about how God's name comes from that very word, to be, uh, because God is the one who is. Uh, and when he says, uh, I am that I am, or I will be that I will be, it's a form of this word, echia from hayah. So it's an important word in the scriptures. Uh, and what it means is to be or to become. It doesn't mean to appear which is the implication here. And God said, let there be, appear, hayah. Um, in fact, we're going to run into the word for appear in a minute. But, uh, hold on, how do I, but, dude, verse 3, and the Lord said, here it is, he become or take place, happen, be or become. So when he says, let there be light, It is not saying that he created light at that time. If we want to split hairs and be very careful, it's saying that God said that light should be or become. Or this wants to say appear because you're standing on the surface of the earth and you see it suddenly. You've never seen light before and now you see it. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The Hebrew hayah allows for let light appear. It's C minus. Uh, Note, bara, not used here. The Hebrew word yom, which means day, can be translated as a 24-hour day or a time or period without reference to solar days. That is true. Uh, When you get down into the nitpicking with all the gallons and gallons of ink that have been spilled on this, uh, usually you find people who want to insist on uh, 24-hour days saying that when there's a cardinal number before the word yom, it never means anything but a 24-hour day. And that's very, very specific. Uh, But it also begs the question, because this is one of the few times when there's a cardinal number before the word yom, and so it's assuming that (laughs) this is a 24-hour day. Um, it's It's a day, the word day in Hebrew is just like the word day today. Context determines, you know, every dog has his day. I'm talking about a 24-hour day. This, this is the, the, the day of Baptists, right? Isn't it? Don't you feel like it's the day of the Baptists? Um, or you say, you know, that was a, a, a hard day, and maybe you mean just part of it. Maybe you mean the whole thing. It's, it's, it's a, a word with a semantic domain. Um, and everybody's got to let common sense and careful reading dictate the definition of the word here. The Hebrew, word translates, the Hebrew words translated as evening and morning here also mean beginning and end. That's only true insofar as any word that means Hebrew, uh, evening or morning can mean beginning and end, whatever language you're talking about, poetically meaning. The record of nature, 3.5 to 3, 3.8 to 3.5 billion years ago, the cosmic bombardment was slowing, the water of the planet was cooling and condensing, allowing a shallow sea. The thick skies thinned enough to become translucent to the sun's light, but not transparent. So you see what they're doing here? There's light, but not the sun. 
The sun was not yet visible. There was light, and because of that, a discernible night and day. This is really the only time I've heard someone give a, a kind of description, uh, explanation of the creation week, where they're able to say, this is how there was light, but not the sun, and this is how there was morning and evening, but not the sun. The, probably the biggest strength of, of this. Uh, Genesis and Angel agree that light was the first of life's ingredients to appear on the scene. And again, to me, it's almost cringy to think that we can say exactly what order of things appeared on the earth to the kind of idealized, uh, alleged bystander billions of years ago, but well, we're doing it. That that's what this part of scripture was for, to make sure you knew exactly how it was, you know, it... Um, it takes away some of the poetic aspects of it. Like, this is, he meant to do this in a scientific way, you know? Right. Well, I, I don't think they're saying this is scientific. They're saying what's being described by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is what you would have seen if you would have been right. sitting in the chaos and watching it slowly become order. I mean, it, 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 I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it, it doesn't seem like as overly scientific um, an interpretation as you usually get from a, a strict young earth creationist, actually, to me. Uh, and God said, let there be, again, hayah, to be, to become, an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made, and now we're getting really hair splitty, manufactured, asa. The word asa means to make, um, and... Um, or verse 7, let's see what some different translations say. I'm sure they all just say that God made. God made the firmament. He made, he made, he made, he made, he made. He fess it in the Vulgate. There you go. Uh, made, made, made. And then the new living. That is what happened. God made this space to separate. Uh, it's, so they're saying there's some distinction between that and create? Yeah, that, that bara would mean something radically new. This would be to make. Now, I, I, Out of what was already there, he's doing Yeah, yeah. So, and it's not entirely off base. The definition here, make, manufacture, prepare, um, produce. So usually when this is used, I mean, just because of the nature of making stuff when you're not a god... It means taking something and making it into something else. Taking uh, you know, a lump of iron and turning it into a farming implement or a weapon or something. Um, but what their point is, is that even when it says God made the expanse, it's not that, that word, that special word, bara, that has only so far been used once, which is the creating of the heavens and the earth. So does that mean in that initial creation, you created absolutely everything to then manufacture and make Right, yeah, so he made everything, and it was kind of just sitting there in the state of chaos and, and darkness and unformed and unfilled, and then the creation week itself is him forming it and then filling it. If you were going by, like, the scientific strict, that's how they would say you'd have, everything was made out of all these gases and mm -hmm. things like that. So is that why they make that distinction, because they're trying to say... 
that this is completely compatible. I think that, yeah, that yeah, they didn't run into Bara and Asa and Haya and go, oh, these must be, no, they said, oh, wait a minute, what if these are different? Yeah, so it's an interpretive grid, um, but like most of them are, unless you're dealing with, I mean, read someone like John H. Sailhammer, uh, Pentateuch as narrative, and he just deals with it as an ancient Near East example of poetic narrative and doesn't delve into uh, this sort of thing. In fact, that's, that, that's how I was taught this stuff. It was, you know, we didn't, we didn't deal with how long creation took at all. We delved into the text because that was the class. And my professor, John Lawler, had been a student of John Whitcomb who wrote the Genesis Flood and the the early earth and the world that was and all these books. And he said that they had Old Testament class uh, that was supposed to be on the Pentateuch and two-thirds of the class was talking about scientific stuff way outside of his field. And it was, it was you know, the semester was coming to an end before they even got into the Hebrew, uh, other than as kind of like this sort of thing, a tool for the interpretation. Um, cart before the horse kind of thing. But both... You know, any uh, approach to Genesis tends toward this, I find. Whether you're dealing with the young earth, old earth, theistic evolution, whatever, it's, it's always going to say, how can I make the Bible agree with what script, or the, the book of creation seems to say to me? The Hebrew hearing and strongly implies that God manufactured something out of already existing material. I'd say it allows for it. And I mean, what else would he be doing? Uh, record of nature. About three billion years ago, Earth had aged and cooled to where the shallow sea was finally establishing a stable water cycle. Earth just happens to have the perfect distance, orbit, and size to allow this life-giving solid liquid gas cycle. Genesis and nature agree that a life-giving water cycle was established very early. Okay. Earth now had primitive life, which was changing the atmosphere, adding oxygen. Water and carbon dioxide, which supported the life, and sunlight, which kept the whole machine running. But Earth had not yet settled down. The next step to a good Earth, land. No one's making more of it except God. So they're saying that, that life existed before you come to it in the text. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that there would have been... So tell me again what the expanse was. The, essentially what we would call the sky. Um, usually it's going to be a young earth creationist or, or a catastrophist who would say the, the expanse is the firmament, which is kind of this um, ethereal mist that makes rain unnecessary. And that's why we don't read of, of rain before the flood, that kind of thing. Um, it just becomes a kind of poetic way to talk about the sky. So in this view, you've got planets forming, you know, from gases and debris coming together. And so you'd go from something like a gas giant where that has an expanse, right? Because it's covered with all these clouds and gases. And then it eventually separates. It settles down. <laughs> like God is doing this, but he's not doing it like all of a sudden. It's like a very... Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah, you've been seeing how the number of years has been moving. Mm -hmm. I've also been writing notes, so I haven't been looking at the screen. Okay. Uh, here comes the land. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Uh, in this case, the word does mean appear or to be seen. Ra'ah. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. 
Not Barah! Nothing radically new, just something Nalan being allowed to appear. It was already there. I mean, that's, that's anyone's reading of Genesis would have to allow for that. Record of nature, about 3.5 billion years ago, gigantic dome-like granite blocks slowly began to force their way up through the crust, exposing themselves above the sea. By about 2.5 billion years ago, Earth had settled into stable land masses. Supercontinent. Do not mess with the supercontinent. There was no land and sea. Afterwards, the movement of land was mostly lateral across the surface of the planet, like the plate tectonics we experience today. Here comes a cool picture. The plate tectonics activity today is just enough to provide a constant recycling of land. I've never heard anyone put it that way. I don't know. Earthquakes and volcanoes are constant reminders of this life-giving renewal process. Genesis and nature's record agree that the next major event was the formation of land surrounded by water. The stage was now set for land plants. Then God said, let the land produce, bring forth or sprout, dasha. This is not a word I know well. Um, Let's have a quick look at how it's translated by a few different translations. Let the earth put forth, let the earth sprout, let the earth bring forth, Grass, let the earth sprout vegetation, let land produce vegetation, let the land produce vegetation. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something bringing forth, and they're pointing out that God didn't say, womb, a new creation of something entirely new, but rather they're saying this slow process is producing something new. The land produced yatsa uh, vegetation, Plants bearing and according uh, seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. Man, it's hard to read that green on that busy background. Again, no bara, nothing radically new. Now, with carbon dioxide and water, with land and light, plants which had been confined to the surface of the waters were being established on land. This period started about three billion years ago with algae. Continuing with ferns and other ancient plant life, all these plants on land and in water would dramatically change the planet. Fun fact, um, Noel Harshman's middle name is Fern. Genesis and science agree that plant life on land was the next significant event on the young planet. The appearance of sun, moon, and stars, God said, let there be, uh, haya, again, it doesn't mean appear, but uh, it doesn't necessarily completely overlap with bara. Uh, let there appear, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth and it was so. God made, so asa, this is the producing, forming, making, manufacturing, two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. A problem I have here with this interpretation is if the reason we had light but not sun was that the haze was there, shouldn't it be that God caused to appear, like with the land? Right. Instead, he's making, he's forming, he's producing. Uh, yeah, that's, they, they gloss right over that. They don't even notice it. He also made, Asa, the stars. Uh, yeah, you'd think they, they'd have to have already been there this whole time, or, or, or it doesn't work. Uh, God had set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. The Hebrew here tells us the lights were caused to appear, 
or were caused to be. Genesis tells us when the sun, moon, and stars appeared visibly. So this is, I think, why they need Hayah to mean caused to appear, even though I don't know of an instance in the Old Testament when it really does. Uh, because otherwise you have the creation of the sun long after, billions of years after uh, you have the uh, rise of plant matter. Uh, moreover, the tense used for made is a past tense, making the phrase imply heavily. <laughs> All of this is in the past tense. It's not happening now. About two billion years ago, the atmosphere, once thick and dark, now, for many reasons, began to thin even more. But this was after the water cycles already been established. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It's just, that was an earlier slide. And the once translucent sky started to become transparent. There's the sun. Right. There was light getting through. You just couldn't see the sun. But then God made the sun after. Yeah, I don't know. The sun, moon, and stars, which had always been there, now made their first appearance to the surface of planet Earth. Hello, I am the sun. Genesis and the record of nature agree that the clearing of the atmosphere came after plant life was established on land and the skies play a major role as clocks for life. So now, from about 1 billion to 500 million years ago on our planet, there were, uh, were these. An atmosphere, which included about 20% oxygen. An established water cycle, stable land, plants, protection from UV provided by the new ozone layer. Don't wreck it. And a visible sun, moon, and stars for potential bioclocks. Nobody talks about the hole in the ozone anymore. Is it still there? Let's talk about other stuff. Really? Nice. Good for us. The stage was set for the introduction of animals. God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created, bara, the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing. Um, if they wanted the, the boldened words to uh, equiv- equivocate with nephish, they should have living and moving thing all in bold. Uh, nephish is the word for a soul, also for self. Uh, God breathes the breath of life into the nostrils of the man, and man becomes a nephish, a living thing, a uh, living being, with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So there had been, there had been life, but not life with a soul, not, not nephish life. New. Something but new, entirely new. different than saying that those primitive early forms became these other things. So this view is saying, will, will the geologic record and all these different things, yes, but not animal evolution. It's, it's going to allow for that, but it's saying at this point in creation, God is creating something new. You hold your horses. The Hebrew text uses bara for the first time since verse 1. Something brand new is being created here. Here God creates the nephesh creatures, vital animals, i.e. animals that clearly manifest the soulish attributes of mind, will, and emotion. I'm always confused when people are like, dogs don't have a soul. I'm like, what leaves a dog when it dies? What is, what are you, huh? Um, they're not made in the image of God. Here we go. The Cambrian explosion. The record of nature, 543. Aren't those things wild? The thing that there's still all those chalk white creepy things at the bottom of the sea now. I don't even like that they're there, even though they can't get to me. 543 million years ago, there was a sudden and dramatic increase in the number of animal kinds on Earth. This Cambrian explosion saw the introduction of all the major body plans of animals, the majority of them sea creatures. 
Uh, and there's a Time Magazine cover. Isn't that a quaint thing to even say? Uh, new discoveries show that life as we know it began in an amazing biological frenzy that changed the planet almost overnight. Uh, let's not read that whole thing. Okay, marine invertebrate. It just Wikipedia Cambrian explosion, and you can read about it all afternoon. <laughs> marine invertebrates appear early on. Various fish types first showed up about 400 million years ago. Birds, man, that looks angry. Showed up 50 to 100 million years ago with marine mammals. Both big and tall and adorable. Remember, Genesis is puppies. Oh, the pups of the okay. Puppies? They're, they're, they're actually... Uh, <laughs> Genesis is... And she was a charge last week. Genesis is just giving us the basics, never intending to give great detail. The minor or non-players aren't mentioned. For example, dinosaurs, insects, sea sponges, starfish, octopi. All our needs are mentioned, the things that keep us alive. This book was written for anyone, anywhere, at any time. Animals, the sequel. Uh, and God said, let the land produce, yatsa, living creatures, the nephish, according to their kinds, livestock, behemoth, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, chai. If you ever want to give a uh, toast to the wild animals, just say lachayim, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made, yatsa, the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. That according to their kinds, it's kind of in gray and small font here. For people with a different point of view, that becomes pivotal. Wait. Okay. Oop, ah, ah. There's going to be a mammoth, you now know. Yatsa is used here to produce, to cause to come forth, proceed, not bara. The only animals mentioned here are behemoth, large land quadrupeds, ramis, ramis, I don't know, how do you pronounce that? No, I'd bore you if I find it. Uh, rapidly moving vertebrates, rodents and reptiles, high wild animals. No, no reptiles or insect, only nephish. So you can kill a mosquito and not feel bad because it has no soul. Rapidly moving vertebrates, I, I guess. Those that crawl around the ground. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge mistake. I didn't make it. Record of nature. By about 350 million years ago, animal life took off on land, but it wasn't until about 50 million years ago that the numbers and kinds of mammals grew so great that the time is sometimes referred to as the age of mammals. What's crazy is that those, those guys are like buried in like Granville and Mason and stuff. Now there appeared the large quadrupeds, including livestock creatures. Oh, animals which stay low to the ground like rodents and rabbits, potential fur and food, and wild animals which could be tamed or domesticated and or used as beasts of burden. Genesis and the record of nature agree that these specific advanced animals are relatively recent. Uh, so now there are life-supporting air, water cycle, plants, land, visible sun, moon, and stars, sea life, birds, potential beasts of burden, livestock, food, material for clothing and shelter. Everything is now ready for humans. Yes. Is, is the word that means large land quadrupeds, is that ever, does anybody ever say like that's the dinosaurs? Behemoth? Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure. This Because that's what that word means, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're thinking of in Job, the considered yeah, behemoth. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
It, it, and it could include them. I don't know. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Now notice here, in this case, when God is speaking to the either angelic host or within the Trinity here, let us make man, it's Esa, to form out of something. And what does God form man out of? The dust of the earth. Yep. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created bara, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So there's both the forming and the creation of something radically new, which is beings made in his image. You know this uh, text. Bara is used here for the creation of man, a brand new type of physical being, something the earth has never seen before, a spiritual creature. The Lord forms something, a sa, from existing materials, but makes him unique, bara, by making him in God's image. Around 50,000 years ago, a new species appeared on the planet, which would change things dramatically. These new creatures were utterly unique. They questioned their existence. They displayed evidence of a moral conscience. They showed concern over death and an afterlife. They could manufacture tools with tools. They had complex art, language, and music. They had an awareness of a God. They exhibited a desire to worship God. They had a desire to discover truth. It's a good point that you never come across like a dog philosopher group. The creature is Homo sapiens, modern man. Here's one now. Genesis and nature's record agree that man, an utterly unique being, was last to appear on the scene. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating Berah that he had done. God doesn't rest from activity. God rests from all the work of creating that he had done. Berah used here, meaning nothing new or unique created after man. There's nothing new under the sun. Note the seventh day is not said to have an end. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask what people who um, talk about this view and who made this, do you know what they say about um, fossil record of people before Homo sapiens? I don't know what these people okay. would say about that. No, I Record of nature. Since man appeared on Earth, there has been nothing significantly new added to the planet. Moreover, rather than a planet bursting with creativity, extinction seems to be the norm today. Genesis and science agree that since man, there has been nothing new under the sun. Until we make that Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. Genesis goes step for step with what we see in nature. This is the conclusion, sorry. It appears... A man, Moses, living thousands of years ago, nailed the creation sequence when we've only recently discovered. We have a planet that appears to have been made just for us. Science can be used as a tool to defend our faith. Will this seventh day, his rest, end when the Lord returns on the blessed day of the Lord? Are there weeks and months of creating yet to come in the new creation? Here's a book you can read. Yeah, Hugh Ross, that's from Reasons to Believe. Um, which I think, Aaron, doesn't your company do now? That's not ours, but we... Mm-hmm. And there's one with a, not that one, I don't know, there's a couple others that he's done. Um, that, yeah, very, very interesting stuff. And so, I mean, you always have a kind of spectrum of things, too. 
uh, old earth creationist uh, rather than like biologos, which is a group of people promoting uh, the idea of theistic evolution. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that, having gone through the whole thing there? Well, it didn't, it, so the, it, its purpose wasn't to address the length of a day then, clearly. Um, well, I think it did in saying that these things happen over the course of billions of years. Okay, all right, yeah. That scratch anybody's itch? Like, oh, wow, I never heard it laid out that well. No? I, I've heard it that way, and I, I think it's pretty impressive. There's a lot of stuff that might not line up as we discover more, but it's surprisingly does line up compared to other creation stories. Okay. That seem like completely, right, that seem completely mm -hmm. made up. Yeah, that's it's a like, good wow, point. does actually kind of fit somewhat right. that makes sense, at least somewhat, as far as a page or two describing their history. Mm -hmm. The fact that things seem to be in a pretty good order, although, I mean, if you're describing things from how a thinking person would assume they developed ground up, you'd probably wind up with more or less the same order anyway. But I mean, in the Quran, Allah puts the mountains there to hold up the sky. You know, so, right, there's, there's less problematic stuff. Although that, too, to me, sounds kind of poetic. Mm hmm You know. Kind of. <laughs> Anyone have any thoughts on this at all? I like that, I like that it, it, it allows for the possibility that Genesis is describing the same thing that science has discovered. That, that, um... They could go together. Mm -hmm. Which, which of these six things does this fit in? You have some different theories of yeah, different oh, theories. yeah, the things that you described a couple weeks ago. Oh right, uh, day age view. Day age, okay, day age. Now let me ask this: if you we're looking for a new church because you were moving somewhere and you found out this was their point of view. Would that be in any impediment for you joining it? Would it give you pause? Is this important on that level? I think I would ask questions about man. What about questions? Like, like, it does seem like what they put together here says man is, is different. It's not the same as these other creatures that sort of mm -hmm. develop, but I'd want to be sure that they didn't think that that it was, because they're, they're lining every other scientific theory up with this, uh -huh. and so why not that one? Like, what's, is it just because that's convenient not to do it, or like, why, what's your reasoning? Why is that so important? Or are you just really into men? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> because... Well, I don't know the, you know the um, references, but if Jesus believed there was a first man, if Adam was a real person, a first man, and we all sinned in Adam, and we're all saved through Christ, the second Adam, if the first Adam wasn't really a real man, what does that do to faith and original sin? Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. That's, you start pulling away things that are foundational, yeah. and that which is built on top of it. 
Like to me, that's Wobbles. the only really yeah. important foundational thing besides the fact that God created, like how it happened. I don't think we can really know for sure. We can come close, but. Is it important to at least be able to say, this is my best guess? So that when you're asked about this by non-believers, you can respond intelligently, or is it legitimate to just say, I don't know? I think, I think it's important to, to show that you've thought about it, and you might have come to a conclusion of, you know, a lot of these things sound like they have a lot of um, merit to them, but I'm not really sure, and I'm okay with that. I think that's an honest answer you can give to somebody, but I think you need to show that you've done thinking about it when you're talking to people who are skeptical. <laughs> but I also think that like there's something to be said for not having like a oh this is my pat answer for everything that this person's saying to me, so that they can see you know you're not brainwashed in some way by some particular person's particular view and. Anyone else have thoughts on that? I wouldn't have a problem joining a church that put this forward as long as they didn't make it mandatory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. And and so what Spurgeon was doing with this catechism, which the actual confession doesn't do, probably just because it was a non-issue at that point, is make it a article of faith right on par with the foundational elements of Christianity, uh, that it has to be six normal consecutive days. I feel like I'd have trouble signing on that line. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that of, of all sorts of things that to me are not central matters, like before we came here and we were looking for, you know, where are you going to be serving at the, in the church? There were a number of places with ideas about the end of the Bible that we couldn't sign on a dotted line saying, well, yeah, I'm not sure about this, and I definitely don't think it's that thing. Like, why would I have to agree to this particular end times view in order to mm -hmm. worship at this church? And it's sort of just the other end of that. Do you think there are churches that would require that? Oh, I know for a fact that there are probably... Really? Not require this view, but when it comes to... Um, I know there are churches, many, many churches, that would re require members to hold to a young earth creationist view. Okay. And there are many, many churches where if you did hold to one, you may not be kicked out, but you'd certainly be ostracized. <laughs> yeah, well, here's my question then. Um, we've already taken more time on those two little words uh, than probably they warrant. But I sort of feel like after doing this for a whole class, we might... Uh, look at uh, the feasibility of the Young Earth view. I think we should. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned a video called um, Genesis colon Is It History, which we could watch at least part of. Um, but that could seem like a cop-out to you, me bringing a video in. Uh, or maybe you're done with this and we want to just move on to the, the next question. Um, We'll obviously be back to talking about creation when we talk about the fall and when we talk about the redemption and how Christ as the second Adam relates to the first Adam and what that must mean about the first Adam. A lot of things that we haven't even talked about, like 
about death, what, if there could have been death before the fall, and if that's the case, then how can this have, this be true? Or you know, if, so I think it's worth talking about one. If there wasn't death before the fall, how could this be true? That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Consensus. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. All right, I'll turn it up loud. You won't even hear Alex's rings clanging together. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that was like like I've seen a lot of uh, like answers in Genesis type propaganda. I actually just bought a, a DVD called Dragon Myths and Dinosaurs from Replay the other day for two dollars. I was really excited because um, I kind of collect evangelical ephemera for fun, uh, but that was one of the better put together things. And when you start seeing like. PhD, 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 and not from like Bob's Duplex University, but like you know, we're talking legitimate or, um, or sometimes Ivy League uh, institutions. It, it makes you at least go, well, there's something possibly to be said here, and and you don't have to check your brain at the door to read Genesis as um, we we don't want to read it as a science textbook, and we don't want to read it as non-poetical narrative, but Throughout most of church history, it has been assumed that it's fairly straightforward. Granted, read Augustine's writing on creation, and it isn't six literal, ordinary, consecutive days. He, he sees things as happening more progressively, kind of a progressive creationism, but uh, that's an outlier. Uh, does, 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 like, you know, modern Judaism have the same... Well, what year is it on the Jewish calendar? That's your question, right? That's not your question. I'm saying that's the that's the the answer. Um, Do they count from then? Yeah. What year is it on the Jewish calendar? Can't reach Google at the moment. You worthless thing. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, counting forward from creation, but I think. Today, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, many outside of an ultra-Orthodox setting, and maybe even within, uh, who think that that really is counting years from, from creation. It's become more of a uh, tradition. And within most, I mean, a reform or a conservative synagogue, they would assume human evolution and, and modern geology, that kind of thing. Okay, the choir's got to go. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, these things are so far over our heads. We pray that we, as we read and read again and read again your word, as we read the beginning, uh, we would absorb what is most important. And that, Lord, we would um, be able to enjoy thinking about just how great a God you must be to have created everything out of nothing and then formed it into what we see around us today. And we are in awe of you. And we don't know, Lord, how you did it. And, and we know that, that we cannot fully understand how you did it. But, Lord, we pray that it would not, uh, our, our understanding of these things would not uh, puff us up uh, and make us think of you as less important, but rather humble us and make us think of you as all important. And, and the great creator God who, who then came and, and saved us from our sins, uh, we pray that you would open our eyes to the beauty of creation this week and that we would uh, take time to thank you for the great gift that this earth is to us. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.